0: This is DW News and these are our top stories. Russian President Vladimir Putin has accused the West of ignoring Moscow's concerns about regional security after the US and NATO responded to demands over the Ukraine crisis. The US and Russia have resumed talks with a phone call between Secretary of State Blinken and Foreign Minister Lavrov without a breakthrough. President Umaro Sisoko Mbalo of Guinea-Bissau has issued a statement saying he is safe and that calm has returned to the West African nation. His statement came after heavy gunfire erupted in the capital. Security forces reportedly repelled an attack on a government compound. German police say the motive for a deadly police shooting on Monday was likely an attempt to cover up illegal poaching. Two men, aged 38 and 32, are accused of shooting dead two police officers during a routine traffic stop in southwestern Germany. Police say they found wild animal carcasses in the boot of the car. This is DW News from Berlin. There is much more on our website at DW.com.
1: From the first reported coronavirus infections, there was never one European plan. Instead, a pandemic patchwork that is now presenting a picture of polar opposites. Denmark today became the first European nation to return to normal by lifting all COVID restrictions. Later this week, Austria becomes the first European nation requiring everyone to be vaccinated. Tonight, the world we used to know and a brave new world and the rest of us boosted in between. I'm Brent Coffin Berlin. This is The Day. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated, you deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID-19. I want a voluntary approach in this country, and we're going to keep a voluntary approach. The federal government has no authority to make anyone choose between getting a vaccine and keeping their job.
2: Other European countries are going for coercion. There's no decision you make just for yourself. That's why mandatory vaccination is important.
1: This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. Also coming up, the Winter Olympics in Beijing, where the snow is fake and the state's indifference to human rights abuses is very
0: real. I wish U.S. government and Euro, they can do more to pressure on China about the, gen- the genocide.
1: To our viewers watching on PBS in the United States and to all of you around the world, welcome. We begin the day on this February 1st with a couple of COVID firsts. Today, Denmark took the lead in Europe and lifted most of pandemic restrictions, saying COVID-19 is no longer a socially critical disease. Bars and clubs are open again. Face masks are no longer mandatory. The number of people infected is still rising, but not the number of ICU patients. Now, compare and contrast Denmark with Austria. Later this week, Austria, which is reporting record-high infection numbers, will become the first European country requiring all adults to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. And then there's England, which was betting on beating the virus, in part with a vaccination mandate for all health care workers. Was. Not anymore. Here's the UK Health Minister, Sajid Javid. While well, vaccination remains our very best line
2: of defence against COVID-19, I believe that it is no longer proportionate to require vaccination as a condition of deployment through statute. So, Madam Deputy Speaker, today I'm announcing that we will launch a consultation on ending vaccination as a condition of deployment in health and all social care settings. Subject to the responses and the will of this House the government will revoke the regulations.
1: All right, let's take this now to Andrea Feigl. She's a global health care expert from the Harvard Chan School of Public Health. Andrea, it's good to see you again. There, there is so much to talk about tonight regarding the pandemic. First, what's your take on England deciding that demanding health care workers get vaccinated is no longer necessary?
3: Um, Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to speak to you again. And um, talking about the the issue in England, I mean, necessary in terms of what one must ask. And um, when one looks at uh, the previous mandate, uh, about 40,000 healthcare workers have left their jobs. And it has been estimated that if the mandate persisted, they would um, have another about 80,000 workers of the NHS and social workers quit their jobs. And so they were really faced with um, two unfavorable conditions. One is a huge exodus from an essential service sector and another one where they basically say, well, we don't require that vaccination, but thereby also risking a higher um, rate of infection because we know hospitals in and of themselves can also be points where people can get infected by COVID. So um, I, don't, I don't envy uh, these politicians choices, however, one has to contend with, you know, other sort of compromises such as, for example, phasing, uh, incentivizing, nudging or um, better communication around not the coercion language, but mm-hmm. the language of responsibility to um, basically get vaccinated so that we all can exit this grueling pandemic a bit faster.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we've got that approach in England. Now, let me ask you about your home country, Austria. Um, We know that later this week, Austria's vaccine mandate law will take effect. Is it still necessary or has Austrian political problems, have they prevented a reassessment of what is needed now?
3: Um, Yes, so the the law will take effect, um, and it will be uh, all adults over 18, except for those with pre-existing medical conditions that prevent safe vaccinations, as well as pregnant women and others, will be mandated to uh, have the vaccine by, I believe, March 16th. So even though the law will be signed, um, it's not... Completely effective by like March 16th. And I think Austria is in a very tough spot. First of all, it's a country that's like, you know, it's not an island, it's really nestled within the central of Europe. And they have really tried to contend with um, uh, uh, closing down the tourism sector with uh, with the lockdown before Christmas. They've kind of taken a snoozing approach in the summer last year due to other political challenges. Masking has been mandatory. They have a really fantastic uh, testing infrastructure. Everyone can get tested pretty much on a daily basis. And still, like the numbers today, 25,000 uh, new cases, I believe almost half a million out of 8.5 two three million people have been in quarantine so what 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 are you to do and i think that given where austria is at um having that mandate can allow protection of schools and allow the protection of critical infrastructure um so i it's not a it's not an easy decision but as I alluded to i think the view is that it's becoming a responsibility and a and the right to health trumps the individual response or individual freedom to make a choice that doesn't just affect each person individually, but has ramifications on the health and safety of fellow citizens.
1: But, but, but would, you, would you say then that if you compare the UK to Austria, um, is there a one plan or one strategy that is better than the other? I mean, or, or are these things different or are they actually the same?
3: I mean, as a as a public health professional and someone who thinks has sort of studied um, both behavioral science and economics and impact on health, I think mandates can actually work in the cases of vaccines. So on a personal level and looking at what has helped to get to the end of um, outbreaks faster, mandates generally work better Mm -hmm. than um, self-imposed and voluntary commitments.
1: Now, bearing that in mind, I'd like you to take a listen to what the WHO Director General Tedros, what he said today. Take a listen. We're concerned that a narrative has taken hold in some countries that because of vaccines and because of Omicron's high transmissibility and lower severity, preventing transmission is no longer possible and no longer necessary. Nothing could be further from the truth. More transmission means more deaths. More transmission means more death. That's not what they're saying in Denmark tonight. I'm wondering, how do we take his message? Um, is, it, is he telling us the truth for everywhere on the planet? Or are countries like Denmark, are the politicians there drowning out his message?
3: Um, this is a fantastic question, and I, I wouldn't stop saying that, you know, what he says isn't true or, or is false or true, however, one has to look at the nuances. One, Denmark is a country with high means and a highly accessible healthcare system. Mm. We know that um, in many countries, in developing countries, whose economies depend on healthy workers, they don't have the same access to vaccines. Um, so, and the more we postpone tackling this variant, the greater the chances that we continue to create variants of perhaps lesser or higher infectivity and case fatality rates. So, so we have to keep that in mind. And secondly, um, what we've seen with this, A, there's a lag in um, when deaths are caused with, with Omicron versus other other variants, number one. And number two, um, we uh, Omicron and, and, and COVID affects different populations with different age structures and disease structures yeah. differently. So those with a high uh, aging society, lack of access to adequate care, preventive care, will suffer much higher death rates. So Again, it's not about whether it's true or not, but the remit of the World Health Organization is really um, a global remit versus each country, sort of their remit is more to their immediate population.
1: Yeah, and as you say, it's almost impossible to have a one-size-fits-all pattern here when you're talking about the pandemic. Andrea Feigl, as always, Andrea, good seeing you, good talking to you. We appreciate your valuable insights tonight. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much. Have a lovely day.
1: The International Olympic Committee says the Olympics are all about and only about the athletes and their sports. But that is a rejection of reality. Just think of Nazi Germany and the 1936 games here in Berlin. There was the US boycott of the 1980 games in the Soviet Union. This year, the plight of China's Uyghur community and documented human rights abuses are overshadowing the run up to the Beijing Winter Olympics. Inside China, any talk of Uyghurs being abused is censored and shut down. Outside China, it's a different story. Our Washington bureau chief, Enos Pohl, met a Uyghur restaurant owner in Los Angeles whose father disappeared three years ago. These mountains remind Bukra
2: Akin very much of home. He left China six years ago to start a new life in the U.S., Everything seemed to go well until his father, who remained in China, was abruptly snatched from his home during the night of October 25th in 2018. His father owned one of the biggest Uyghur publishing firms and Arkin believes that his fight to protect the Uyghur language and culture was the reason why the Chinese government put him in prison. Arkin says his father was like a best friend, supporting him financially in
0: the US. My biggest fear, I really scared like he couldn't uh, cuddle his grandchildren uh, to just cuddle with me again. That's my biggest fear, to see him again. I wish U.S. government and Europe, they can do more to pressure on China. How about the, gen- the genocide.
2: After his father was detained, Bukhra Arkin opened a restaurant in the larger LA area. He named it Dolan's after the bigger region in eastern Xinjiang, where he grew up. One of the most popular dishes is lachman, a dish of hand-pulled noodles. Uyghur cuisine stems from the far western area of China at the border of Kyrgyzstan in Tajikistan, where most of the region's 12 million Uyghurs
0: live. It's surprising not many people know about Uyghurs,